the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. Well, this is Heart of the City, and I'm Chuck Olmstead. Uh, each week we spend some time together as we share the stories of the goodness and faithfulness of God in the lives of people. And we also, we, we particularly like to talk about uh, God's faithfulness in the heart of pastors and ministry leaders in the Seattle area. And uh, so many times pastors are up in front of their congregations and they're preaching sermons, but oftentimes you don't get to hear the backstory of how they came to faith and uh, and why they do what they do. So we like to spend this time on, uh, on this broadcast to uh, get to know some of the pastors and ministry leaders in this area. And today I have uh, Pastor Jason Bentley at, uh, from High Point Church. And uh, Pastor Jason, welcome this morning to Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, it's good to be here with you. You and I just had a great lunch at Jack's Barbecue. Amazing. <laughs> and we like Jack's a lot. And uh, uh, no paid endorsement here. We just like having good barbecue because, well, you like barbecue because you kind of grew up around uh, barbecue uh, country, huh? I mean, in Ohio. Yep. But uh, some good Midwest cooking back in Ohio. Yes, Tell- born in the Midwest and then uh, started traveling and speaking a lot. I, I started preaching when I was 15. And that that opened up doors for me to to travel. So I spent a lot of time in the South and developed just a love for barbecue. So anywhere that has barbecue here in Greater Metro Seattle, I'm I'm getting familiar with and spend a lot of time and money there. <laughs> well, barbecue and uh, sweet tea and pecan pie, we enjoyed it all uh, today. So, um, well, Jason, uh, you've how long have you been here in the Seattle area? So I've lived in uh, Seattle now for 11 years. 11 years. Well, let's go back to your Ohio days. So so where in Ohio were you born? Yeah, I was born in northern Ohio, a city called Toledo. And then when I was around one years old, my, my mother and father relocated to southeastern Ohio, a city called Marietta, which is right on the Ohio River, across the river from Parkersburg, West Virginia, a very beautiful city and a very historical city. It was the first settlement of the Northwest Territory. There are more Revolutionary War officers buried in Marietta than any other place in our nation. Uh, So a very beautiful place, a very historical place. So I was uh, raised there. My father uh, started a church there in in Marietta, Ohio. And uh, from one until when I moved out here 11 years ago, I, I lived there. You did oh so definitely a Midwest uh, Midwest boy with uh, with strong roots there so so your pa- your father was a pastor yes yeah so and so you grew up 
in the church here every yeah. <laughs> every Sunday, Wednesday, and whenever the church's doors were open, you yeah, were probably grew up, there. I always say I grew up in the in the in the the days when the church was uh, not as open as they are now to things like giving your kids Cheerios during the church service or letting kids play with electronics during church services. Man, I was from the time. I, I'm. I was old enough to remember. I mean, I was dressed in a suit, sitting in church, couldn't talk, couldn't, right. couldn't even eat Cheerios, man. So. <laughs> those were the, <laughs> those were the days. Well, you and I grew up in about that same kind of environment because it was, you know, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school, then church itself, right. and then. Sometimes uh, growing up, it was going to a, a retirement home and doing a service and then coming back for Sunday night church. Yeah, that's exactly I, right. And, you know, that Sundays were very busy, and you were exhausted by the end of the day. So yes. that's that's good Midwest br- uh, uh, upbringing back yes. there. So, well, tell me about your walk with the Lord. You... You know, just because your your dad was a pastor and you grew up around that environment— when did you come to faith in Jesus? So I was uh, I was eight years old, and uh, I remember it vividly. March the twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. That that kind of dates me, but uh, I was uh, at our church's Sunday night service, and my father preached about Jesus and preached Jesus dying on the cross, and really emphasized how you know he didn't do this for a faceless corporate number. He did it for, for me. And just something about that resonated that, that Jesus loved me and gave his life for me and hung on a cross for my salvation, my healing. It was just overwhelming. And I, I went forward that night again. This was back not just in the days of no Cheerios, but (laughs) also come forward to the altar and, uh, I went forward that night and um, gave my life to the Lord. And um, just a, a few days later, on March the 25th, I was baptized. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at some point, also that same year, uh, I really felt like I was called into ministry. I mean, I was only eight, but really feel like I had a, a pretty uh, supernatural experience where I, I really felt like that was when... God was really calling my life into ministry. So eight was a good year. Yeah. I, I, it was all downhill <laughs> after eight. Saved, baptized, <laughs> called into ministry the same year. Yeah. So. Well, that, I, I think people, uh, and I don't, don't know how many people would minimize the experience of an eight-year-old, but the reality is that you did have that genuine experience of calling from the Lord and heard from the Lord about mm-hmm. your life's direction, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there is that value as we're teaching our children to know that even at that young age, those formative years can have direct impact on the rest of their lives. Huge. Huge. So I think it's just really important to uh, put your kids in an environment where they're hearing it where they can experience it and also don't minimize the impact that it's having on them you know Mm -hmm. a lot of times like in my church or in churches that i've spoke at or visited people are worried that maybe there's a disconnect from what's happening on the stage uh that somehow if it's happening on the stage on a sunday it's not really registering with their 
adolescent, they're teenager, they're eight year old. And I would just say that from my own experience, I'm not sure that's entirely accurate. There's a lot more happening. There's a lot more spiritual formation and thought provoking and heart moving things that are taking place in their life. Granted, there's a lot more distractions with technology and cell phones and iPads and things, but um, there's also, you know, a lot of potential for God to move and do some amazing things in lives. And there's also that sense of habit, too, isn't there? I mean, that a child, uh, even if they're not totally responsive to hearing a pastor drone on and on, yet they see their parents hungry for the Lord. They see that example of what's happening at their church with the adults, and that has an impact. All of it has an impact. The Word uh, has a powerful way of implanting into someone's heart and mind that uh, may not draw fruit for years, but does happen, doesn't it? Absolutely. In fact, I, I I tell our church that our children are the greatest casualties of our inconsistency. Hmm. that it's really important to just be faithful and consistent. And although you may internally be all over the map, up and down, on fire one minute, feeling cold and distant the next, just the consistency of building your life around the church rather than trying to fit church into your life Mm -hmm. and exposing them to faith and the teachings of the scripture and just that solid, meaningful, trustworthy, reliable message day in and day out profoundly, profoundly will shape their future. So did it for you? It did. Did you have moments during your teenage years that you you doubted or you or was it did it stick? I mean, was it pretty 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 firm in you? It stuck. I, I um my sister and I, who she, her and her husband, they're planting a church in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and I are, are kind of the exception. Everyone talks about, you know, you got to watch out for the preacher's kids. They're the worst. And, you know, I have to admit, I've met many that uh, underline that stereotype. But my sister and I, we were we were really the, the exception because both of us were very uh, genuine. Both of us just lived for the Lord, loved God, served in our parents' church. Um, and, uh, of course, I was a normal kid, played Little League, really excelled, actually, at baseball, and um, really uh, enjoyed doing what 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old boys do, whether it's you know playing with my friends or collecting baseball cards or whatever. But through all of that, there was just a – there was just a uh, a faithfulness that I, I lived out of my life, my sister as well. And then actually at the age of 15, it, it, it got to the point. So from 8 to 15, uh, my family kind of experienced some real difficulties. My, my father experienced kidney failure mm-hmm. and uh, was subjected a few years to dialysis, which is a very uh, brutal a very brutal treatment, and uh, finally he uh, actually received a transplant. Uh, but during that time, and when you're young and you're faced with the potential mortality of your father and all of that, it was a it was a fearful time. So maybe that helped us stay closer to the Lord and mm-hmm. more aware of Him. 
than maybe some of our contemporaries. But, um, you know, during that season, just really sought the Lord. And then at around 14, I just felt reminded of that calling that I experienced when I was eight, really while playing baseball and doing what other normal kids did, I really started investing a lot of time studying the scripture and just really trying to um, seek more of God in my life, make myself more open to what he was wanting to do. And then at the age of 15, just it became so overwhelming that um, I really approached my father and said, hey, I I, want to do this. I want to preach. It's just, I, I can't hold it back anymore and so he gave me an opportunity to to preach at like a youth service and the rest is history i huh. just started preaching in his church and some of his friends had me and they told others and people started having me and from 15 all the way up until when i planted our church here in seattle a few years ago that's what i did i traveled around the world just speaking at different churches helping out any way that i could amazing and, you know, I don't know as if people who have not uh, experienced that kind of passion or that kind of desire to proclaim the Word really truly understand that, that there is something within the heart and mind of someone who's been called to preach that they got they got to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to do it, or else there's a void there that, the, that uh, they've got to proclaim, don't they? Yes. And my father, though he was very wise, he 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 really um, in the beginning uh, insisted that I take my time. He also wanted to make sure that I wasn't just uh, stage hungry; that I just didn't mm-hmm. want to get up and do things for wrong reasons. So he he put in me some very uh, practical things that really shaped my outlook to this day. Like he, when I approached him and shared, I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach and do all of that. Well, he, he turned around and encouraged me to go back out and be focused on just reaching the one before I would speak to the many. Uh-huh. And said, you know, once you lead someone to Christ, then come back and talk to me. Huh. <laughs> and he, he just felt like, he, he felt like, um, you know, if, you, if you're unable to lead just one to Christ, you really have no business trying to speak to many. Mm-hmm. So um, I went out and... Uh, led a few of my friends to the Lord, and many of which are actually still Christians to this day, and um, came back, and I was like, okay, you know, I I, I care about the one, and I just really feel like I want to I want to do what God's wanted me to do, and so he gave me that opportunity. Jason, do you—I'm uh, I'm talking to Jason Bentley, pastor of High Point Church, and uh, do you— ever have times when you're getting ready to preach where you become fearful of the responsibility of what the Lord has put in your heart, where it's kind of like this this uh, sense of, wow, this is, I mean, I need to proclaim the truth as opposed to my own ideas. Do you kind of, does that ever mull around in your mind as you're prepping? Like, man, I, I don't want to share my own ideas. I, I really do need to proclaim truth here. Yeah, definitely. I, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't use the word fear, perhaps, uh-huh. but I do have this, and I've always had this very uh, strong awareness that my opportunity to speak to God's people is 
the opportunity for me to to speak his truth rather than my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm very careful about the things that I say and the manner in which I say them because I want to I really want to represent him and I want to communicate what he is uh, wanting for his people versus using that place of influence uh, to address things that I have no business addressing or spewing my own opinions yeah. about. I, I uh, love listening to Greg Laurie. Great, you know, very great, strong great communicators, speaker. great speaker. I, I remember, and this is like vivid in my mind, when he was here at Key Arena a few years ago and I was part of the executive team to help uh, that conference, um, I was back uh, behind the platform uh, had to go somewhere, and I was coming around the corner, and he and uh, Greg was just getting ready to go out on the platform to speak. They had had all the preliminary music and and all that sort of stuff, and and the uh, I, I walked past the freight elevator, and the doors opened, and out walks a security team with Greg kind of in the middle, and I looked at his face, and uh, I could tear up just thinking about it because it was the face of a guy who is like a prize fighter going into the ring. Uh, it's how I, only way I could describe it. It was like this, this set determination that he was just going in to fight a battle. And I could see, you know, that it wasn't, in my mind, it was not him going out to entertain people, but that he had a, a duty to proclaim a message that was very intense. At least that's what was etched, etched on his face. And uh, that's a a burden and a gifting that the Lord gives to someone like that, and to pastors in general, isn't it? That yes. there's this message that the Lord wants to deliver for a, a, a particular people at a particular time, and it's your duty to, if you will, get it right. Right. And uh, so, um, you know, it, it's important. So, so 15 years old, and you begin proclaiming the word. So, so what happens next in your life? Or do you uh, is there further education? Or yes. What so, happens? of course, you know, as I'm speaking that young, I'm juggling speaking and traveling and speaking with finishing high school, and and uh, then went on to attend college. Uh, just attended uh, a secular university. Um, chose to do that rather than go to seminary because raising a pastor's home, I felt like I had been in seminary all my life. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of broaden the scope of my education, went, ended up getting a degree in business uh, while still traveling. And then uh, when that concluded, continued to travel um, and uh, traveled, traveled all around the world. I've, I've actually I've preached on every continent except for Australia and Antarctica. And uh, hoping hoping something opens up at both of those places, although I don't know how receptive the penguins are to the gospel in Antarctica, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, during that time, though, my mark my life was really uh, marked by uh, one huge tragedy. In that, uh, when I was um, uh, when I was uh, twenty twenty five, uh, my my fifty one year old dad who was my father my pastor my best friend he died unexpectedly Hmm. and i ended up actually preaching my father's funeral and burying him on my 26th birthday wow and that to me was a uh, that to me was a major uh turning point in my life uh and then uh kind of 
took some time to grieve that and to regain my equilibrium and resume traveling. So then what was the call to come to Seattle? What what happened? To, you're in Ohio and you're doing well, and then all of a sudden Seattle, what what developed there? Great question, and uh, I'll just, I just be honest, Chuck. It was actually uh, less God and more girl than uh, anything. Well, sometimes so. the Lord has a way of using yes. circumstances in our lives, right? Yes, so I, I can't <laughs> say that it was a like angelic visitation or some supernatural vision that I had. It was, I was speaking at a church out in this area and the girl who is now my wife had started attending church there (laughs) and we met Uh and suddenly I had this profound (laughs) calling and interest in Seattle. Uh And so I just kept coming out here to visit her and we had a bit of a whirlwind romance. We dated six months, we're engaged six months and then a little less than a, a year after we met, we were married and uh-huh. and uh, continued traveling. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, we planted High Point Church in in Kent. Uh, planted planted the church. Planted the dumbest way you possibly can. I mean, I'm not from this area. It's highly unchurched. And with this big vision in our hearts, we plant High Point in our living room with no money, no people, no team, no equipment, with nothing. We just loved God and wanted to see God do something special in people's lives here in greater metro Seattle. And that's what we've been doing for the last six years at High Point is showing people how to live an elevated life. And you uh, have some unique uh, ministry with uh, Hispanics. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah, well, my, my, my wife is uh, Latina, mm-hmm. and um, she speaks Spanish. I speak Spanish. And as a result of that, um, two years ago, I was asked to serve as the chapter director of the Pacific Northwest for the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference which is uh, the largest Christian Latino organization uh, in the world, had the opportunity to do that. So I've been serving in that capacity, and it's, it's awesome because it uh, just gives me a chance to have a voice and to be able to influence and to help elevate the lives of a diversity of people. Mm-hmm. So what's uh, what's happening in the Hispanic church? I mean, I realize that's, that's a general question, uh, but... But what what unique things are you seeing happening with Hispanics uh, that are coming into the Seattle area? Uh, as far as uh, the the family dynamics or even immigration issues or that sort of thing, do you see certain things happening with the with the families and with believers uh, and, and how churches are responding to that? Well, the Latino community is um, is is very passionate about faith and. The, the 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 church and the Latino community is growing rapidly, rapidly growing all here in the United States, all through Central and South America. So faith is a big component of the community. So uh, they're definitely more likely to be involved with a faith community like a church. But, you know, these things happening in our society, like immigration issues and all of that, you know, it, it just creates a lot of uh, it just creates a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainty. And uh, our church, High Point Church, we just want, uh, regardless of their story or background, we just want to be able to love them and help elevate their life, strengthen their families, ease some of those worries and some of those fears, and 
and um, do do all that we can. Yeah, we've got one minute left. Um, the faithfulness of the Lord has been in your life. Do you have a Do you have a life verse? Do you have a life message that the Lord has given to you that kind of when when things are going crazy, you come back to a specific verse or passage or a thought that that the Lord has given to you. Wow, you know, I uh, I, I can't say that I've settled on one. There's many, but recently, the thing that probably gives me great hope, considering all that's happening in our world, is in Revelation when Jesus reveals Himself as the beginning and the end. Hmm. The beginning and the end. And so he knows all things. He's the Alpha and Omega. And as long as he is going to be in the end, everything's going to be okay. It's going to work out. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been speaking with uh, Pastor Jason Bentley. He's pastor of uh, High Point Church in Kent, Washington. If you want to know more about High Point, you can go to www.thehpchurch.com. Pastor Jason, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. I've loved it. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.